0: got a fascinating email just to kind of, uh, wow, blow your hair back kind of an email from Shark Tank saying, hey, we saw your product for an air filter mask for dogs, the canine mask on Kickstarter. We think it's really interesting and really innovative. We would love for you to apply to be on the show.
1: Hey, my name is Felix Tia and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to work with a manufacturer when you're creating a product that has never existed before, how to market a product that people don't know exists, and this entrepreneur's experience after a successful appearance on Shark Tank. Before our show, I wanted to chat about Shopify shipping. Did you know that you can buy shipping labels for your orders at home and print them with a regular printer, get shipping insurance within the United States, and receive discounted shipping rates with certain carriers with Shopify shipping? There are no additional fees, carrier account, or app required. This is included with your Shopify plan, so check out Shopify shipping today at shopify.com. ship Today, I'm joined by Kirby Holmes, founder and CEO of the Canine Mask by the Good Air team. The Canine Mask is an air filter mask for dogs to protect their health in an air pollution crisis. And we're starting in 2018 and based out of
0: Austin, Texas. Welcome, Kirby. Hi, glad to be with you, Felix. Yeah, so tell us where the idea behind the business came from. Well, I grew up in Texas, uh, but every summer, my brother and I, we traveled to California to visit our grandparents. And uh, they live in a small town called Ojai, California. It's just north of the Los Angeles area. And uh, they have a a great patio and swimming pool in their backyard. And we'd spend uh, most of our afternoons and evenings out by the pool. But just behind their property in their neighborhood, there were these hills that are connected to a national forest. And so my grandparents would tell stories about how wildfires would come up over those hills and they could stand there in the backyard looking at the fire crews that are trying to put the fires out before it got into the city and into their neighborhood. And I just remember as a kid being terrified of the idea that uh, these fires would you know, get into my grandparents' home. And uh, not just my grandparents, but they had a black lab named Sugar that was always out there spending time with us. And we just loved that dog so much. And so I just have these sort of fears growing up about wildfires in California and uh, what that meant. Uh, so, flash, you know, flash forward in my life to 2017. Uh, this is where the wildfires in the Paradise and Camp area of California did massive destruction, not just to people, but also to property and to pets. And uh, as I heard the stories of these, you know, growing wildfires in the, you know, along the western coast, Pacific Northwest, California, um, it just reminded me of those childhood fears of my grandparents and their dog Sugar and. You know, how can we better protect ourselves from these kinds of threats? Um, I also noticed at that time that uh, I was watching a baseball game and it was a San Francisco Giants and they were playing in their home stadium in San Francisco. And there were uh, people sitting in the stands wearing air filter masks because the wildfire smoke um, from some of the wildfires in the area were creating such toxic smoke that people had to watch the game wearing an air filter mask. And as I watched that, I thought, oh, my gosh, something's happening where people do need to protect themselves from this threat, uh, but people can do that. But what about pets? Do pets have a way to protect themselves from the threat of toxic smoke, like wildfire smoke? And so I thought about sugar, I thought about her needs and it just kind of hit me that there's gotta be a solution. And so I began searching uh, just through Google searches, uh, web browsing, can I find an air filter mask to protect a dog? And as I did those searches, I couldn't come up with anything. Uh, I searched all over the world. I could not find a single example of somebody creating this solution. And so that's where I came up with the idea for the first air filter mask for dogs. We call it the canine mask.
1: Yeah, and so what's your what's your background? What's your experience? You know, I think that the the story about how this the seed was planted in your head from when you were younger and then kinda of got watered throughout the way when you saw the how the kind of world was changing and all, all of the, the, the wildfires and, and you saw Got, got, insp- or got kind of inspiration from seeing that you know, humans got these masks. What, what about dogs? How did you kind of, what was your background that allowed you to kind of piece this together and realize that it, there was an opportunity to create
0: a product like this for the world? Yeah, so in my background is in nonprofit work. That's what I've done most of my career. Um, there was a time for several years, I did work for a small manufacturing company, Uh, I was building up a sales team of uh, sales representatives throughout the country. But most of my work has been in nonprofit work. And because of that, it hasn't been always profitable enough. I have four children, and my wife is a stay-at-home mom. And so to provide additional income, I've always tried to have an extra small business. And one of the things that uh, I learned along the way was building e-commerce websites and uh, those were for my small businesses. But eventually I got to where I was consulting other small businesses in e-commerce design and website building. Uh, and so I just became uh, used to software as a service solutions for e-commerce websites.
1: Yeah. So you you made this this um, leap at some point where I think a lot of listeners out there can resonate where they have this either need, um, you know, there, there's a Different reasons for entrepreneurship, but you know, one of the most pragmatic reasons is that you need more cash or you need some way to to um, you know save more money or whatever it is the reason. So you start these kind of small businesses on the side, you did consulting for other small businesses, and at some point you know, you made this leap in with the canine mastery like let, let me kind of take it to the next level. What was it that allowed you to go from these kind of side projects here and there alongside your you know quote unquote day job to now? making uh, something a bigger you know bigger thing than just a side
0: project well it's like the story i told you about uh my grandparents and me visiting them and me starting to to learn of the the fears and eventually understanding the the potential consequences of wildfires and wildfire smoke and uh with the things that are changing in our climate for whatever reason you know these seem to be happening more and more often and so somehow just my, my heart of compassion, uh, we've always been a dog owner. We've always had a dog in our family. Uh, I just love to run with my dog and work out with my dog and snuggle my dogs. Um, it just kind of hit me that we need to find ways to protect these pets from air pollution. And since I was the first one to come up with the idea, I, I couldn't find it anywhere else in the world. I thought maybe I needed to be the one to provide a solution. And so I asked my cousin, Evan, who works for a large technology company here in Austin. But uh, he's kind of a tinkerer. He's got a 3D printer in his garage. He's got a lathe in his garage. He's always kind of working to build something. And so I approached him with the idea of, could we work together to come up with a solution for uh, an air filter mask that would fit on the muzzle of a dog? And he said, that is a great idea. And he was just as uh, surprised as I was to discover that nobody else had thought of this or had done anything to bring it to market. So the two of us together decided, you know what? Maybe let's—it's our responsibility to come up with a solution.
1: I like that. I like that—that that way of thinking, where you took this realization that this product doesn't exist, and you know, a lot of people will, a lot of business owners I talk to, a lot of entrepreneurs or ventures I talk to, will say that that. Made them see an opportunity, but you're come from this other kind of uh, motivation where you 're like maybe it is my most purpose right to to bring this into to reality so talk to us about that that process then because it sounds like that was the next step is around the product development and you mentioned you you partnered with uh, with Evan so talk to us about what was involved in developing um, you know the product from the very first prototypes to a version that that was ready for the market
0: yeah right so in in two thousand and eighteen we Said you know we think this is going to become something. We don't know what. We don't know how. It's at this point in our life. It's just kind of a side project, like all my other side projects in the past. Uh, so we went ahead and we uh, set up an LLC, and we set up our company. It's called Good Air Team, uh, and then we opened up a bank account. and We said okay, uh, let's start working on the design ideas. And since Evan's really good at design, he started crafting different materials and making different prototypes. And we probably went through six months of a process of going, well, how is this going to function on a dog? I mean, dog's heads, there's so many different um, muzzles and snout sizes and face shapes. And, you know, how do we solve this problem and what kind of materials are going to be durable? What materials are breathable? What would be effective for a dog making sure it can filter out air, but still be breathable and still cool the dog knowing a dog needs to pant to cool itself. So there's a number of obstacles trying to overcome in the design process. So it took us probably six months of just tinkering and trying and using paper and materials to come up with the right shapes and using the right materials. But we came up with a solution and a solution that works. So uh, how many, how many
1: I guess, iterations did you go through before you came up with a solution that was actually kind of
0: functional? Yeah, I think we probably had four, maybe five design ideas that we went to Uh, Some of the the sewing companies here in town that sew more apparel ideas because we needed somebody that had experience sort of in the manufacturing side of a product like this. So um, although we could maybe try to build it and make paper models or, you know, roughly sewn products, it would have to go into production at some time. And somebody with experience in, you know, cutting and sewing uh, production would have to give some input. So we worked with two different companies here in Austin to help with this consulting design ideas. Um, how to put this together. Uh, and they were so helpful and gave so much input um, from the design and manufacturing side uh, to help us you know, come up with a product that uh, we still use today.
1: Yeah, and you know, as you're going through these iterations, before you met with the, the, these kind of manufacturers, these sewing companies, um, as you're going through these iterations, were you able to test the product? Like, What was involved? Was you just testing on your own dogs? Or like what was, what was involved?
0: Yeah, so my cousin Evan and I, we both have a dog. And uh, my dog is, uh, her name is Sabaka, and his name, uh, his dog's name is Ginger. And so Sabaka and Ginger were our test subjects for all these prototypes to make sure that the neck strap would fit around uh, their head, uh, that that it would stay on the neck of the dog and the muzzle of the dog. If they started to paw at the material, uh, would the material withstand their pawing at it? Um, If they kind of stuck their nose in, in the dirt of the grass and started uh, kind of poking around in the grass as dogs like to smell their environment. Um, would this product be able to withstand those kinds of things? So there are our, our best tough subjects are our very own dogs, and they're very patient with us in the process.
1: Now, when you started meeting with the, the sewing companies and it, because this product doesn't exist right now, it didn't exist at the time. What kind of challenges did you face when you are working with manufacturing when they don't have experience creating that specific product? You know, obviously um, you guys have more, have spent a lot of time on it, but also just it's not a product that exists yet. So there's nothing to kind of replicate. So talk to us about uh, that process of creating a product that doesn't exist before, but you're working with a manufacturer to create
0: it. Yeah, that was a problem because uh, most of these you know, cutting and sewing uh, businesses here in Austin, they primarily were doing apparel. They were doing shirts and blouses and jeans and shorts and, and that kind of apparel. So to, to create something that's more three-dimensional like this for the snout of a dog wasn't something that they typically did. And so although they had ideas of the way stitching would come together and, and the way materials need to be cut and the, the tolerances and allowances for uh, putting the product together, Um, They they weren't specialized in this kind of 3D product. And so uh, they sent us to Dallas and they gave us a couple of names of people in Dallas who were, you know, sewing things like backpacks and other things that had more dimension to them than just apparel. And so we were able to find a great uh, partner in Dallas who was willing to take on our project who uh, created um, the best prototype that we had ever seen of our product based on some of their sort of final analysis of how this would be built and put together. And so we've been working with them ever since.
1: And, and once involved in something like that when someone is um, working manufacturer for the first time, again creating a brand new product, how do you what's your responsibility to to what are you contributing? what, what, what should you be contributing to make sure that you get the most out of that, that, that I guess
0: relationship? Well, they have expertise in areas that uh, I didn't have expertise in. You know, I've been doing nonprofit work. Uh, my cousin is in technology with a big, you know, computer company. Um, so when it comes down to materials and sewing and cutting allowances, you know, those, those are just things that we don't understand and don't know to account for. Uh, and so we just had to trust the expertise of those who understood that type of industry and uh, had experience working with these kinds of materials. And it's good to trust other people and to build partnerships with people that can help you uh, come up with a better solution for your product. Um, I also have kind of a mentor, a business mentor of mine here in Austin that was kind of helping me through the, the process of building our business. And uh, he said, you know, Kirby, you, you need to rely on your partners. And also, there's going to be things that you don't 100% know if it's the best solution. But he said, you know, go with a solution that's 80 or 90%. Uh, down the road and, and sure you don't have every question answered about if it's perfect, but go ahead and get it to market, get it out there and see if people want it, see if people use it and then start getting feedback about the product from your customers. And you can continue to innovate along the way, but trust partners and trust feedback from your customers.
1: Yeah, so this element of the, this trust and then also trusting that the process will kind of play out too, right? Where you're saying that um, you might not be at the final kind of destination, but uh, as long as a step forward, it's a step that you should should take rather than trying to wait around for, you know, the, the best solution possible. Now, with that lesson in mind and you actually living that lesson, I think one of the challenges that a lot of entrepreneurs have is that they, they understand that that's a, a, a business advice, but then when they're living it, it's hard to know, okay, what is this actually You know, 80% of the way? And they're, usually you'll see them kind of lean more towards perfection and kind of waiting too long. So talk to us about that. Like when These days when you are either working on new products or helping other entrepreneurs out, how do you make sure that they can kind of calibrate that so that they are – you know, making sure that they're not waiting too long before they, they launch or not waiting too
0: long before they get out to, to the market? Well, there's different product categories. And for our product category, it's in the pet health industry. And, and for us, you know, we wanted to make sure that our product would promote pet health, that we'd empower dog owners to, to, to really help protect the health of their pet in a, an air pollution crisis. And, and so for us, it's like, we want to make sure we're not going to hurt a dog in the process of helping the dog. And so for us, obviously that was uh, an area of concern. And and now we've been addressing that concern because we're talking to uh, professors at Texas A&M University and University of Missouri who are in the small canine department, uh, some of the leading experts on respiratory health in pets and especially in canines. And and so we've done some of the due diligence to go, can this be a safe product? Can we release it knowing that we'll help pets and not hurt them? but I think the most important thing was having a community of people around me saying, Kirby, every entrepreneur uh, feels like they want to get it 100% right on their first version of their product. He said that that's uh, too late to get it to the market. You need to take your innovation, especially if it's a, a new product or new product category, take it to the market. And then and know, realize it's not going to be perfect because you need the feedback of users. And you want to develop the product, innovate the product beyond its first version. And you're only going to be able to do that as people use it and tell you about their experience. And so I think you have to have some mentorship, some people maybe that are in your business community that have more experience that can say, uh, go ahead and start getting it out there and get the feedback that you need. And you can update it and revise it later.
1: Yeah, just kind of assurance from someone that's further down the path that it's not um, kind of make or break uh, on, on these kind of initial versions. Um, or were there, you know, just to kind of make this a, a more concrete uh, piece of advice Were there pieces that you can talk about that you were you got that you guys made a decision to to kind of wait on or pass on until getting more feedback or or a version two? One of the things
0: that I think that is unique to our product is that, um, you know, nobody's very comfortable wearing an air filter mask. We've all been wearing air filter masks for the last year in light of the pandemic we're in. And so it's not that comfortable um, for us as people. And we knew it wouldn't be that comfortable for pets as well, you know, to put a, a mask on a dog. But we were encouraged to know that muzzles have been used on dogs for decades and uh, dogs can wear a muzzle. They can be trained to wear a muzzle. So we knew that there was a similar product that um, gave us confidence that our product would work in the marketplace. But we did have to make a decision. We had to make a decision around well, how much uh, filtration do we want to use? in this product because a dog has to be able to breathe through it, uh, but they also have to be able to pant. And uh, so the actual strength of the filter became a point of uh, concern. Um, We don't wanna suffocate a dog. Uh, We're trying to empower pet owners to really provide health for their dog. So we can't suffocate a dog. It can't uh, eliminate oxygen. Um, So it has to be breathable. But at the same time, the best way to help a dog in terms of uh, health is to filter out the smallest particles that can get into the lungs. And if it gets embedded into the deeper parts of the lungs, it gets uh, into the bloodstream and it can be circulated throughout the entire body. And so we had to make sure to filter out those smallest particles. And so I think this, these kind of tensions of, okay, it's, it's got to work for the intended purpose of health. Um, but it also has to f- uh, function with the warning and safety concerns around the dog wearing this. And so we had to go back and forth testing materials and, um finding out what a dog's comfortable with finding out how long a dog can wear it uh before it becomes dangerous Uh, but how can it be effective because dogs have to go outside to use the restroom they have to go on walks no matter what the environment is outside so those are some of the things that we had tensions with as we're building the product of how much air filtration is effective um, but would also be safe for the dog to wear
1: yeah, so that, that was like a, a conscious decision that you were able to make um, because you, you kind of knew the, the trade-offs. What about what, what kind of feedback that y- you were able to get once the product was out in the market that maybe you had not foreseen?
0: Yeah, so when we designed our first air filter, we decided we want maximum air filtration. You know, if you're taking your dog for a walk in an environment with intense wildfire smoke with so many toxins that are burning, uh, not just from vegetation and trees, but there's, you know, whole buildings that are burning and, uh, chemicals and tires and, you know, stuff that are in, um, cities. So it's, it's not just, uh, you know, sort of wood burning grass, burning, uh, smoke, but there there's toxins and chemicals in there as well. So we thought our real purpose is to help protect that animal from those type of toxins. Uh, but what we decided is that, uh, it has a really short wear time. You know, we're recommending uh, to pet owners to only wear the mask for 10 minutes but well, we started getting feedback from early customers saying, we love the product, uh, it is helping protect our dogs, uh, we see the benefit, but we just need to be able to wear it longer. You know, we take walks, we just, we need to get out for longer walks. And so as we thought about uh, the need of some of our customers, we decided we'd come up with a second air filter version that would fit into the same mask. So it's just an air filter refill that you can take in and out of the same mask because we know dogs make a big slobbery mess when they're wearing something on their face and we need the mask to be able to be washed. So we use a system where you can put in and out the air filter itself um, in between washings as the mask getting washed and you can put a fresh one in. So we built the second version that uh, is much more breathable. It doesn't filter out as many of the microparticles in the air. But it does filter out some of the larger particles, even some of the ash. Uh, It's got an active carbon filter in it to, to filter out even some of the ozone that's in the air. And so we felt like we solved some of our customers' needs who wanted to be able to put this on their dog, go on longer walks with their dog. But they just needed a different solution. And they're willing to trade off. Having really good filtration for the ability to take their dog on a longer walk while still having some protection.
1: Yeah. And now, when you got this kind of feedback, how was it coming? Like, how did you make sure that you were um, not necessarily receptive, but like that you were actually catching the, the feedback that, that, that your customers had that allows you to make these kind of um, feature enhancements? Yeah. So, I mean,
0: we'd get, we did get emails, uh, we did get phone calls, but I would say uh, one of the best things about using the Shopify. Uh, e-commerce platform is using a feedback loop uh, for customers. We use the YOTPO review system, which emails customers after they buy a product, uh, ask them to give us feedback about the product. And uh, because we're able to set, you know, how many days out to send that email and when to send a second reminder email to get feedback from the product, um, a lot of customers would give us feedback through the reviews. And that would help us to understand what their needs were. And so we've got, uh, you know, over 100 reviews on our website that are posted that give us that kind of feedback about the product.
1: Do you, do you have a, a process um, for prioritizing what kind of feedback uh, you'll, you'll focus on for, for future iterations? Like, How did you know that, that this particular uh, need for being able to keep the mask on longer
0: uh, was something that, that would, should be a top priority? Well, I mean, we're, we're dog owners, so we understand that uh, a dog, you know, I have an active dog. I have a, sh- a shepherding dog, and, and she needs to go out and run and be on longer walks, and that's just a part of what helps keep her a healthy dog throughout her day and throughout her week. So I understand when uh, a, a customer of ours says, I just need my dog to be out longer, but I'm kind of in an in a air pollution crisis environment that um, you know, I wouldn't want to go out at all, but I have to get my dog out. So there's that tension of, well, I want to keep your dog safe, but I understand the need to get your dog out. Otherwise, it's going to chew the corner off your table or start biting up your leather couch because it just needs to expend energy. So I think we understood as dog, dog owners ourselves, what are some of the unique aspects of dogs and what their needs are. And so it resonated with us. Now, one of the things that we haven't been able to solve uh, yet is the fact that there are some breeds of dogs that have a flat face, uh, you know, just a really flat face with no snout at all, and uh, we don't currently have a product design for that breed of a dog. And so we've gotten a lot of requests from customers saying, hey, do you have a solution for my dog? You know, I have a pug uh, and, and it just has a flat face, and so I, I need a, a solution. Um, a lot of those breeds of dogs have respiratory issues already inherent uh, as a breed, and they, they don't breathe as well. And so we have a tension of, you know, we if we build a product that's for a flat-faced dog, it already has respiratory problems. Are we going to contribute more to that problem by trying to put a face mask on it? Um, or are we going to help it um, by protecting it, you know, by breathing better air in that kind of uh, toxic environment? And so we have design ideas, but we haven't brought it to market. So, again, it's kind of we've heard feedback from customers. There's potentially to move forward in a new product design and category, but we haven't done it yet because we're still stuck in that stage of will it be safe for the dog if we come out with that product and we haven't answered it yet.
1: Mm. Now, when you, when you are getting this kind of feedback, what's your process for, for implementing actually the, 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 this feature? Like when you're building a future versions of it, like do you just kind of start from scratch and, and see how you can go from there? Like, What's your process for product development, especially when it's
0: iterating on an existing product? Yeah, so in our space, um, there are dog muzzles and those have been in use, like I mentioned, for a long time. And so we're able to go grab different dog muzzles and, and see the shape and see the materials. Um, we, we can see that for flat faced dogs, they do have some uh, kind of muzzle, whether it's, you know, a biting prevention uh, or barking prevention uh, for the dog. So some of those products are out there and do exist. And so we've looked at those as possible design solutions for us. Um, now, the one thing about, you know, an air filter mask is, Uh, when you and I, as people try to put an air filter on, you know, the shape of our face has so many different twists and turns. We have a nose, we have a cheek, we have a chin, and that's not a, it's not a great shape to put an air filter on. Uh, but if you think about a dog's snout, it's just a cylinder and that's actually a pretty easy shape to provide a solution to how to secure an air filter to the backside of that shape. It's just a cylinder and you just need to pull tight the air filter on the back of that cylinder. Um, but if you think about a, a face that's kind of completely flat um, with very little surface area to kind of um, control, how would toxic air be flowing towards this, this little dog's face to get in and out? It's really hard to come up with a solution to try to um, you know, secure an air filter around where it wouldn't leak air into uh, the dog that's breathing through its mouth or its nose. So uh, a muzzle is not trying to accomplish that. It might have the shape that's a similar shape to what we need, but its function is very different. And so, although we're trying to learn from puzzles, it doesn't actually answer all the questions we're trying to answer with an air filter mask for all these different breeds of dogs. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on
1: iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Got it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the the marketing behind a product like this. It, it, I think it's like a product, now that, that you and I have spoken, it makes sense that it should exist in the world, but I, I wonder, were people searching out for a product like this in the beginning? Was there a lot of education involved? Or what was your experience of
0: bringing this product out into the marketplace? There was really no information available about dogs, air filters, uh, or, or anything about it so we decided early on um, if, if there was going to be a market for this we need to understand that there would be a market so we put up a website uh, basically promoting the idea of an air filter mask for dogs and began sort of uh, populating with articles about air pollution and the threat of wildfire smoke and uh, asked people when they found our website if they'd be interested in buying an air filter mask for dogs and sure enough, we got about 1,000 email addresses of people saying, yes, I would love to have protection for my dog. I'm from California, and uh, this would be so helpful for us during our wildfire season. So once we got those 1,000 email addresses in the first couple of months, we thought, okay, yeah, there is a market for this. Nobody's executed the idea, but it is something that's in demand. Okay, so th- this, this website that you're using to collect
1: these emails, understand if there's demand, it was just uh, articles that, that you guys are writing yourselves or was it articles that you were uh, resharing? What was the, the, the process behind
0: creating a website to, to attract your, your target customers? Yeah, I think it's because I had experienced as a kid that fear of wildfires and you know, my care and concern for my grandparents and their dog. Um, and, and also, because we've been hearing so much about climate change and because we've seen sort of this new normal of wildfires in the on the West Coast, um, there's there's been a whole lot more emphasis on um, why is climate changing and what effects is it having? And, and then when you start looking at the air pollution side, well, what is in the air? You know, how dangerous is it for us to be breathing in these kinds of this kind of smoke and toxin from the smoke? And so we just started writing articles around air pollution, smoke. Uh, what are the toxicity levels? Uh, how bad is it for our health? How does it impact pet health? Um, so we just started becoming, you know, researchers about this topic and and uh, posting articles on our blog about it. And so that content creation for us, which was great because we're researching for ourselves, uh, but then we're able to put it out there for others to begin to connect the dots between. You know toxicity, air pollution, air quality, and the pet world, um, and so that's where we started to get traction of people finding that website and beginning to give us their information, saying, "Yeah, if there's a product that would solve some of this problem for my pet. I'd like to know more about it."
1: Awesome. So you, when you were, you're were basically uh, using SEO to to attract people to sign up for to first come to your to your website and then sign up for the email list, and the email list was just um, uh, clear about saying that they were signing up and because you were working on the product, how much, and how much, um, kind of intention was it, was there behind the people that were signing up? Did they know that they were signing up, um, it, kind of almost on a waiting list for a product that was coming?
0: Yes. We very much pitched the idea of if you want to be one of the first people to get the world's first air filter mask for dogs, give us your email address. And we would take pictures of our prototypes as they were coming out and available and put them on the website so that people could see something they'd never seen before, which was uh, an air filter that was shaped and designed specifically for a dog snout. And so as they saw pictures, as they read content, and as we specifically said, are you interested in this product? Um, That's when they gave us their email address.
1: So this was a brand new site that you, you you started, and I think this is a you know I, I love dive deeper into this. I think there's an approach that a lot of people can take, especially if you're on like a, on a budget, right? To launch a website, write articles yourself about it, and then collect an email list from there. So it was a brand new site, and just in a couple months from writing your own articles, you were able to
0: collect over a thousand emails. That's right. From those a thousand emails, what we did was we said, well, let's just do a crowdsourcing uh from this list let's crowdsource for our first production run of our mask and so we that's what we did we uh, created a crowdsourcing campaign we used kickstarter as a platform and uh we put all the information about hey do you want to help us uh create the first canine masks and uh, we put it out there and we emailed all thousand people who give us their email address to to point them towards our kickstarter campaign and sure enough, in those thirty days, we we're able to fund the first production for canine mask, and uh, we raised ten thousand dollars. Awesome! So, kind of to lay this out
1: some more, and I think a very obviously lots of hard work, but then very achievable kind of step by step process. That sounds very budget friendly as well. You created a brand new website, wrote a lot of articles. Like, how many how many articles are we talking about that that you guys are creating um, throughout this? You know, a few months before you're able to build this email list of a thousand people.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's probably Somewhere in the range of 30, 40 articles, but I would even think within the first three, four, five articles, we were already starting to get visitors to our website um, because uh, people were kind of trying to figure out, you know, I've got to protect myself from air filter, you know, from air pollution and these wildfires. What about my dog? I'm taking my dog out in the same environment. So people were trying to find it, but I think they couldn't find it. It wasn't until our website went up with all the SEO search words of air filter mask, dog, uh, wildfire smoke, that once the website was built with that kind of SEO built into it, people were finding our site very quickly. I think they probably had already been searching and not finding anything. Now there was a way for them to find us
1: yeah so, so were these people that are coming specifically because they wanted to learn more about how they can protect their dogs, or was it that they were coming because they were concerned about themselves, and all of a sudden now there's also articles about oh you need to, you 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 should probably also protect your dog and
0: then got introduced to the the kind of problem that way? yeah, I think people were um more often now in these large urban environments of California up in the you know bay area of California. You know, Now I would say people even up in the Seattle area and the Portland area uh, who've been through these massive wildfires where the the smoke has been in their city, not just for a day or two, but for several weeks. Uh, Some people remember the orange skies in the Bay Area from last year uh, during the wildfire smoke that um, you have to take your dog out for a walk. And so people had their, their air filter mask on and they're watching their dog walk out into the ash and the smoke. And uh, it's just a natural thing. People are looking for how do I protect my dog. So I think we just kind of captured what people were searching for, what they couldn't find before us. Mm. Okay, so now these these thousand emails,
1: and during this time, you're setting up a Kickstarter campaign. Talk to us about that. The setup for the Kickstarter campaign. I have here that the goal was to raise ten thousand dollars. What else was involved in the the you know the campaign um, throughout the 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 um, the thirty days that you're running it for?
0: Yeah, I mean we were still working with our manufacturing consultants on the prototypes and trying to come up with a solution for how do we do our production at that time we were still working it out in austin trying to find a solution in austin and so as we're doing the Kickstarter campaign i mean we had uh, commissioned somebody to create a video for us Uh, we think video tells a great story um you know my dog and evan's dog are the the models in this video for wearing this product and uh And so video told the story Uh, throughout the month long campaign, we began to put updates uh, in the campaign about, Hey, we just had a a great new prototype zone from, from this company. Um, Hey, we just got some contacts in Dallas for new potential um, manufacturing. And so we've just kind of updating people throughout the campaign of our, of our progress and about how much, if they were able to help fund this, that we would actually find a solution that would help them care for their pet better. And so people jumped on board. They wanted to be a part of the process and they loved uh, feeling like they were contributing to um, a process that wasn't completed, but that needed help, needed input, needed consultants, needed mentorship, like uh, we are trying to grow together. And it felt very organic and, and out of control often, <laughs> just like um, wanting it to be perfect for everybody, but that's it, it, just impossible. So we just felt like, you know, we're just gonna be a vulnerable and, and, and just kind of say, here's where we are in the process. Thanks so much for you know, giving your $25 pledge or $50 pledge or $100 pledge to this, this project. We want to find a solution that works. And I think people enjoyed being a part of the process with us and ongoing communication on that platform with us.
1: Yes, yeah, so you ended up raising uh, a little bit over $10,000, $10,725 from 175 backers. Would you know like, what breakdown that was? Like, How many of those 175 came from that that, that email list
0: of 1,000 that you initially um, built up? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know how many people um, from that list uh, signed on, um, but how many of them told family members and friends about it, how many people just love to... Uh, pick through Kickstarter to find interesting projects. Yeah, I don't know the answer to it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it helped a lot with just getting that, that initial traction, which is so important on these crowdfunding campaigns. Though, now that kind of led to even additional traction, which is uh, your Shark Tank experience or appearance. So, tell us more about that. Like, how did uh, what what
0: um, uh, what was the opportunity? How did this opportunity come about? Yeah, so we we launched our Kickstarter campaign in March of 2019. And then it was fully funded and we're moving into April. And so I think kind of maybe by the end of April, um, we got just a a fascinating email just to kind of, uh, wow, blow your hair back kind of an email um, from Shark Tank saying, hey, we saw your product for an air filter mask for dogs, the canine mask on Kickstarter. We think it's really interesting and really innovative. Uh, We would love for you to apply to be on the show. And so (laughs) Evan and I, had always heard from friends and family that uh, this product was a breakthrough idea that people needed this. We need to immediately take it to Shark Tank, and uh, Evan and I would kind of just kind of chuckle, like, "Yeah, that would be amazing if we could, but um, you know, let's just try to get this off the ground." And, and so it, it was actually intimidating to get that email because we felt like, "Well, oh, we're just starting. You know, we don't have sales. The business isn't built out. We don't have this tremendous marketing, or you know." Uh, all the things that, that the sharks really question you about in the shark tank, we felt like, gosh, we don't know if we'll have what it takes to get in there. But there was also this just thrill and excitement of the opportunity. Uh, what an amazing opportunity for a, a new business with a new innovation to be able to put that in front of sharks and put that in front of, you know, all the people that would watch the show. You know, I'm a big fan of the show and have watched it for years with my family. So we, we, we started going through the process with them about, OK, let's go through the process.
1: Yeah. And then once you made it on the show, talk to us more about the, you know, what you're asking for and, and the result from, from that show.
0: Right. So, uh, we're going through the process and we, we finally finished our first year of year of sales in 2019. Um, we, we just do $45,000 in revenue in 2019. And so as we're kicking off 2020, um, it, it's, it's like, okay, this pandemic hits and, uh, dogs owners are concerned about their pets and, them getting the coronavirus and, and, and getting ill with the COVID infection. And so we sell a lot of masks really quickly early on in the pandemic. And that gave us a little bit of confidence going, okay, if we, if we do go on Tank, we do now have some sales. Um, now, thankfully for pet owners that uh, very few dogs actually contracted the virus and caused an illness in the dog. And, and thankfully the You know, kind of the the pet industry as well as the health industry was able to communicate pretty clearly to pet owners. Hey, don't be too scared about your pets contracting the virus. It's not a big fear, you know, Um, and that's and I'm glad our goal is pet health. So our goal is not just sales for sales sake, but it's for actually pet health. So we were glad when we got that information, but it was at least that bump in sales gave us confidence. Wow, we could actually get on Shark Tank and tell a decent story um, now that we're getting feedback from customers about the usefulness of this product for them. So as in 2020, uh, we're ramping up towards the summer, but it's in the middle of a pandemic. And even Shark Tank didn't know, would we be able to film this season or not film this season? And there was a lot of starts and stops of knowing, are we going to be on or not be on? Um, well, eventually we were able to find a, a place where they could film uh, the season. And, um, you know, we filmed our episode and, uh, you know, at the end of our episode, we were able to make a deal with Damon and John for... Uh, 40% equity of our company. We had gone in asking for uh, $500,000 for 40% of our company. Um, he came back and said, no, it's, it's too high of a valuation. And he wanted to drop it down to 200 for, uh, for 40% of our company. And so we tried to battle back with him some. Uh, at, the end of the, at, at the end of the show, he decided, yeah, as a pet lover and somebody who cares about the health of pets, he wanted to be on our team with us. And so we made that deal with them on air, which is exciting when all the other sharks had gone out.
1: That's amazing. So, um, since then, what's the, the experience been like? You know, I think a lot of people obviously see what happens during Shark Tank and maybe the update episodes, but, um, you know, what happens after the show once a uh, you know, deal has
0: been made on air? Right. So then we begin working with uh, Damon and his team, uh, talking about us as a business them doing due diligence to understand uh, what are the financials of our business, uh, what are the possibilities in terms of a future business plan and a marketing plan. And we've dialogued for uh, months, six months of just back and forth. Um, one, he's trying to determine with his team what are the benefits he could bring. Uh, we're trying to bring a potential future to him that would allow him as an investor to get the, the, the profitable investment that he wants in the future. And so we're about six months in and we're still trying to work out the details of do we finalize this deal? You know, because when you're talking to the sharks on air, it's just an investor pitch to them and they don't know all the background details of your business and all the, the numbers. And, uh, and so it takes time for somebody that wants to invest in your business to do their due diligence before making a final investment. So after that six months, we, we bo- on both sides, we kind of at this place of um, wondering, is this going to be the right deal or not? And we both had valid reasons on Damon's side, he's looking, hey, am I really going to get my profitability and a return on investing in this business? Uh, do I want to wait five years, 10 years, 20 years before I get my investment back? Or you know, a multiplier of three, five, 10 times my investment. Uh, and then we, at the same time, we're looking at it going, do we want to give up 40% of our company, um, knowing that some of the ideas he has for how to build our business maybe aren't the kinds of ideas that we think are the, the best or most strategic. And so we just eventually got to the place probably seven or eight months into the process working with Damon and his team. And they were wonderful. We love all those guys. They were fabulous to work with and talk with uh, along the way. But we decided at the end, they said, let's not finalize this deal. Um, Doesn't sound like you're that comfortable with the future of the profitability. And we're kind of not comfortable with the ideas and strategies you're bringing about how to move it forward. Why don't we just agree that uh, let's not make this deal happen and you'll be happy it, it eliminates some of your risk, and we'll be happy because it eliminates some of the risk of us having to give up that much of our company for uh, maybe a, a future solution that we don't fully agree with as the best solution moving forward. So that's where we, we ended it, and we uh, ended it amicably, and uh, we love him and his team, and he loves us and what we're doing because he's a big big uh, you know, pet guy, and, and he's got a whole like, farm and ranch full of animals and ducks and geese and guinea fowl and ducks and donkeys, and you know, he's just a, a great uh, animal lover. So uh, we had a great time working with him.
1: Yeah, that, that's awesome that that ended on, on that, that positive note. And, you know, one of the other kind of big uh, benefits of being on a show is just the the publicity that that kind of falls out from it. Talk to us about that. Like once the show aired, what it looked like on, on, on the business side.
0: Yeah, on the business side, uh, obviously, when you, you get a national audience and you're telling the story, um, I would say at the beginning of the story, one of the pitches people heard most was, hey, this is like a, a, a mask for coronavirus and That's why you created it, and uh, that's not true. We created it before the pandemic, we don't know anything about coronavirus. We created it for environments where there was at first wildfire smoke. Um, but uh, one of the things we found out, uh, is that there's tons of reasons why people would need a product like this, and it wasn't towards until the kind of the end of our episode, people were hearing more of the reasons why they need to protect their pet from air pollution because they heard things like. Yeah, okay, wildfire smoke, but then because of the drier environments, when the wind's blowing, there's a whole lot more dust in the air, and if you're in the, the southwest, there's a, a bacteria that gets picked up in the sand, and it causes respiratory health problems in people and pets, and so there's a, a health uh, kind of concern in the desert areas. Also, there's volcanic eruptions in Hawaii, and there's chemicals from those eruptions. Um, also, like Hong Kong, they were having riots, and, and people were using tear gas. And a lot of the people in Hong Kong were wanting to walk their dogs, but there was so much tear gas that uh, it was almost impossible to get outside. And so we were selling masks to people in Hong Kong to protect their pets that needed to go out for walks. Um, Also people along the coasts, uh, especially in Florida, when there's red tide events where these toxins and these algae blooms uh, come up along the coast and, 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 and the bacteria from these algae blooms kill fish and those fish all wash up onto the beach and then those toxins become aerosol in the air and blow in off the coasts into residences and business districts and cause respiratory issues. And so there's all these reasons why people watching our episode go, you know, that actually makes sense to protect my dog from various forms of air pollution threats. It's not just wildfire smoke, but all these other reasons that I could benefit from this. So we did see a bump in sales as a result of our airing, which was in uh, season 12, episode six. It originally aired in November of 2020. Uh, and, And so we did see a bump in sales as a result of being on the show. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I always hear about this traffic going crazy right after airing
1: for the first time or an update episode uh, for anyone that has been on Shark Tank. And, you know, speaking of the website, talk to us more about some of the, the back end. Like, what are some of the apps or tools that you rely on to help run the, the business?
0: Yeah, so we, uh, we, we, man, we love um, our Shopify website. Uh, we use the theme by Style Hatch called District. And uh, Style Hatch is a company that's actually based here in Central Texas. And I I talked to the the owner as we've uh, developed our website. And I've had questions along the way. I would ping just their developer help and and they would help with aspects of the theme to help make our website look really good. And the coding for our website work really quickly and um, to be able to display our products as effectively as possible. Um, So we use the theme uh, from Style Hatch. And then uh, a couple of the apps that have been really helpful for us, um, one of them is called Bold Upsell, which because we sell a mask with three air filters included in the package, we also sell a five pack of replacement air filters to go into the mask. And so Bold Upsell allows us to to make that initial sale of somebody wanting to buy the mask with three air filters. And as they're checking out, the process of them going from their uh, cart to the checkout, there's a pop-up that comes up on their computer screen that says, hey, if you're gonna buy this mask with three air filters, uh, it's great, it's a great way to start to protect your pet. Uh, But if you add these five extra filters right now, you'll save some time later uh, not having to come back to the store and make this purchase. And we're seeing a great attachment rate of uh, people using that uh, as they're making that checkout decision of adding that extra five pack of air filters in. So we found that to be really helpful to bundle products together at checkout. We also use uh, an app called GTranslate. and uh, this translates our website. We have it in over 25 languages, but it also allows us to create subdomains for various languages around the world that we've chosen that uh, when somebody in Germany, for instance, is searching for air filter mask for a dog in the German language, they'll find our German translated uh, version of our website in their uh, search engine. So say, for instance, they're using Google and they, they type air filter mask for dogs in German, they'll find our website in the German language, uh, all translated. And so we've sold um, probably almost every European country. we have had sales for our air filter mask, we think because of the translation services. And I know Shopify now is adding that into their services. so You don't have to use an extra app for it. But uh, I find just to grow your business globally, that there's some great tools for being able to do that. Um, I think just keeping up with just the the administrative side and the bookkeeping side, we use TaxJar to help understand what are the tax liabilities for places where we're selling domestically here in the United States. Um, And we need a way to keep track of uh, what taxes are being collected and and how do we need to then pay those tax authorities. And TaxJar is just a great solution for us to understand where those obligations are and fulfill those. So those are some of the tools. I've already mentioned Yopo reviews as a way for us to get feedback. Um, we continually get feedback, especially early on as a new business with a new product, to get feedback from customers. Uh, one of the things we learned from some of our customers using Yoto reviews was that people wanted different colors of our mask. So we originally said, well, let's just make a mask in blue. You know, blue is the color of the sky. It's a color of purity. It's a clean color. Let's just make them all blue. Because in a sense, this is just a fire extinguisher. It just it, In a crisis, you use it and you need it right when you need it. Uh, but we had customers saying, Hey, can we get different colors? I would love to have one in pink. I'd love to have one in red or black. And so we decided, okay, well, it doesn't make any difference to us. We just want your dog to be healthy, but if you want one in pink or black, we'll, we'll start to make some in those colors. And so that's just one of the things we got feedback from our feedback, um, app, a review app to learn about customers needs along the way. And so we do make some, some custom colors for people. Yeah that's that's awesome that that you've been able to respond
1: quickly to these these kind of requests from from customers. So on um, me yeah, k9mask k the number 9 mask.com is a website. And I'll leave you with this last question. What do you think will be some of the, the the biggest challenges that you're focused on on overcoming for for the business in, in the near future?
0: Uh you know part of it's awareness, right? Um, because it's a, it's a brand new product, it's an innovative product nobody's really thought about it or heard of it. Of course, being on shark tank is significant to spread the message that this is a possibility that you can now, you know, protect your dog in these various environments where you might need to protect them from air threats, you know, air quality threats. And, and so there's a, a sense of, we, you know, we've got to get the word out. Now we do use social media advertising. Uh, we have, you know, tried to ping various, uh, dog trainers and, uh, support dog therapists, um, various people who are influencers in the dog health space, um, you know, search and rescue dogs that are in those environments, you know, we'll ping them uh, on their YouTube channels. We'll, we'll, we'll try to get their email address and just shoot a quick email and just try to try to find influential people using social media and YouTube, just um, say, Hey, would you share about our product so that we can help protect more pets health? And we have many people who are willing to do that and have helped us out. Uh, We're paying uh, for advertising, um, but that's minimal. Um, So to us, it's just how do we get the word out to people about protecting their pet? And, you know, last year was just a really bad year with a a lot of um, air quality challenges around the country, especially kind of related to the pandemic was one big one. Uh, Australian brush fires was another uh, and so it's it's a product that's based on crisis. And so we hate that. Uh, we, we, we prefer that <laughs> there would be less crisis and less need for our product. But if those crises do exist, uh, we need to make sure and put it in front of customers in a targeted way so that they know they have a solution if they want to use it.
1: Awesome. Again, K9mask.com. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and advice, Kirby. Thanks so much, Felix. Glad to be with you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.